Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. I'm Aaron Flanagan. Joining me this week, um, as ever, Matt Lawless. Uh, yeah. You're back again. <laughs> I don't know what it is, I, don't, I never leave this room. Yeah, it's a, you, I, you I sleep here. here, I live here. And um, yeah, so it's just convenient that I'm on the podcast again. Uh, Conor Mummery is back for the first time in... Uh, been a while in, since the World Cup, I think. Yeah. Has it been since the World Cup? I think so, yeah, I've been waiting for the invitation. He, he doesn't sleep in this room, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's uh, miles away. He's obviously never. We've never been able to collar him to get him on, but no. Conor Mummery is back uh, anyway. Um, we're going to be talking uh, a little bit internationals a bit later on in this podcast, but we're going to start today because we recorded on Wednesday, and that is the day that... Uh, Claudio Ranieri has returned to the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a Premier League champion, isn't he? We won it with Leicester, and it's interesting that the bookmakers are already offering cheeky five thousand to one odds on Fulham winning the title next year. Well, they've got to stay in the division first. Yeah. That will be his remit. It's a tough job for for Ranieri, but an interesting development this morning. Uh, exclusive from our chief football writer John Cross was Arsene Wenger turned down the chance to uh, take over at Craven Cottage out of respect to Arsenal. Yeah, no, I'd say really, really interesting that obviously... Uh, I mean, I actually find it interesting that Fulham would go to Wenger. I think that's quite a quite a bold, you know, kind Absolutely. of move. I think, I think that outlines kind of the actual ambition that mm. is there at the club, but I mean, it just hasn't worked so far no. this season, has it? No, it hasn't at all. Well, that was one of the things that Wenger said, you know, when he announced that he'd be uh, leaving Arsenal and pretty much every interview since that he, he wouldn't come back to the Premier League. So it's a question he gets asked a lot. Um you know, with his hoping to return in the new year, I think he said. Yeah, and there's been a lot of speculation that he might end up at uh, Milan or even at PSG in some sort of uh, director of football role. Um, so I think he'll be back. But in terms of day-to-day management in the Premier League, I think he's said goodbye to that one, hasn't he, with Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure whether we're um, we're going to say our set's falling apart in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you just heard a thud, <laughs> and I didn't touch it, honestly. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so with Wenger, I mean, I kind of get the feeling that we're, we're never going to see him manage again anywhere. I think it's going to be very much behind the scenes now. Um, yeah. uh, interesting you mentioned Milan, obviously, even uh, Gazidis has gone there. I'm not sure how strong of a relationship they actually had. Um, oh. But, um, I mean, it, it was a tried and tested and, you know, successful yeah. partnership in the main. So Yeah, sometimes better the devil you know, isn't it? And um, maybe we'll see that partnership again. But for me, he's definitely not finished in football, and he's probably taken a nice break, and he'll be he'll be looking to return with, with a bang for sure. But Fulham's an interesting one. They they really invested in that squad in the summer, and they trusted Slavisa Djukanovic to bring players in. He brought in f- two goalkeepers who have been absolutely useless. Yeah. He hasn't got that right at all. And and Djukanovic had, had complained in the past that he wasn't supported by the owners. Um, and this summer they went okay right we'll back you and backfired spectacularly didn't it and um, I think perhaps Fulham will be looking now to to bring in some proven quality this January I'm sure they'll they'll back Ranieri in the market and um, for them it's it's an investment that will have to pay off because they need to stay up it's yeah. remarkable when you look at who they brought in in the summer I mean you had Jean-Michel Serri, I think last summer being linked with everyone under the sun. Barcelona, Barcelona Arsenal, United. Liverpool. Yeah, and you've got someone like Andre Scherler there. I mean, you know, there are a lot of envious eyes, especially from Tottenham fan perspective, who didn't sign anybody. You see the likes of Serri and midfielder came in with him, Anguissa, and the likes of Scherler going to Fulham. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a, a frustrating one for Fulham fans. I mean, I've, uh, the only time I've watched them for 90 minutes this season was the TV game against Huddersfield. I've got to say, I was just so... So yeah, it wasn't dis- a classic, was it? Yeah, it wasn't a classic, but I was just so disappointed in Fulham. And obviously, you know the ability that we've got there. I look at the likes of Luciano Vieto, who they've got on loan from Atletico Madrid. 
seriously talented player, technically absolutely superb, but it just almost looks like he doesn't want to be there, and that for me said the manager has to change it because these players aren't motivated. Yeah, I think, and that's that's the good thing now. It's, this is the best time to change the manager during the international break. Gives Ranieri, who don't forget, he's been he's been watching a lot of Premier League football. We've seen him in the stands in directors' boxes, so he will have a couple of weeks now to work with those players, the players who are still there and not on international duty. And you'll probably see the likes of him come out of his shell a bit more, maybe. And don't forget, though, it's always difficult with those players who are coming in from La Liga and from South America. Take some time. There's not many who have come in and hit the ground running. I think West Ham are just starting to see the best of Felipe Anderson there. He's, he's becoming a really important player for them and took him a bit of time to settle in, actually. A £40 million player who sort of, you know, he, he's found the Premier League hard going. You could say the same with Lucas Moura when he started at Tottenham mm. he, he wasn't exactly um, you know he wasn't, wasn't nowhere near the, the first 11 now he's, he's he's definitely like you'd put him in there so it takes time sometimes for those players to settle um, but time is one thing Fulham don't have yeah yeah. so uh, as it stands Fulham are rock bottom of the Premier League on just five points uh, the teams above them Huddersfield on seven Cardiff, Southampton and Crystal Palace all on eight points uh, Burnley on nine so that's kind of your, your bottom group um, from what we've seen so far or, or sorry, what we know of this Fulham team what we know of Ranieri uh, Connor are Fulham going to stay up this season oh, it's really tough you just don't know what to expect especially with someone like Claudio Ranieri because we've seen that he's you know he's capable of miracles but, you know, I mean, he's managed a lot of teams in his time and he seems to be sort of a peaks and troughs manager, really, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've had the Leicester thing and he's had, you know, one-year stints here, there and everywhere with Inter, Juve that haven't gone to plan. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, was it Nantes was his last, yeah. last club, wasn't it? And he was, he, before he'd come to Leicester, he was with Greece and, he, you know, he failed miserably yeah. with those. Abysmal with Greece. You know, Leicester fan, I mean, the famous film was Gary Lineker, wasn't it? You know, he sort of tore into the appointment at the time, and yeah. you know, but as as Connor said, he pulled off a, an absolute miracle in that title success. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing that encourages me from Fulham's perspective is that when he went into Nantes, the you know his first job after Leicester, um, they had a really good start. Like they were up there, like third, fourth in you know in, in the French league, and that's you know phenomenal for a team like them. Um, obviously, tailed off, didn't go so well, but you know, if they want a reaction, it's clearly a man who will bring a reaction. And that's what Fulham need right now. So uh, a bit of encouragement there. Um, So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Fulham. Um, Sticking with the bottom half of the table. Sorry, Matty. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Um, uh, Sorry, I didn't take that knife out my back. (laughs) (laughs) West Ham um, are uh, already making moves in the transfer market. uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, What what can you tell us, Matty? I mean, so Samir Nasri, he's the man in question here. Um, West Ham haven't got any money to spend. All right, that's, that's yeah, the bottom line of it. Blew it all on Felipe Anderson. They, they <laughs> did. Um, so they spent all their money. If they're going to buy players in January, they need to move players on. That's a fact. However, Samir Nazari is a player who Manuel Pellegrini really wants at the club. Uh, he worked with him, of course, at Man City. They won the title together. And he's not played football for two years. And um, as I understand, he turned up for his um, West Ham medical very seriously overweight in terms of footballer terms not not like uh, me who's seriously overweight um, <laughs> you know so he, but what they've decided is that Nasri will train with West Ham and um, he's got seven weeks to prove his fitness um, in order to win a contract which is understood to be a rough around about 80 grand a week it's going to be heavily incentivised I think there's going to be a lot of bonuses with that um, if he does sign but the manager's pretty keen to, to bring him on board it makes sense to 
judge him over several weeks because he'll need to get his fitness back up. Also, his attitude's been in question in the past, so it gives the, ch- the club a good chance to look at that and see whether the players like him as well. It's important that he fits in with them. But Samir Nasri, if we're going back four or five years ago, was one of the best players in the Premier League, wasn't he? And, and you just hope that perhaps he can recapture that form somewhere, but it's going to be really difficult. Personally, I would swerve it. I think for a player who's not played for two years, you're asking an awful lot. And I think West Ham, the, I think the manager's slightly sort of unsettled in terms of the injuries that his squad suffered so that's probably why he's he's trying to get Nasri done because he knows what he's like and he, he knows what what he can deal with so he's probably hoping he can just squeeze one more or two good seasons out of him yeah, but yeah. it'll be a six month deal initially if he does sign he can't play until December the 31st yeah, by FIFA rules he's, 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 he's banned so of of the uh, the intravenous uh, drip mm. treatment that he received in LA, um, I don't think anyone would have ever expected when obviously it blew up on Twitter that night or the, the drip doctors thing and all. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think anyone would have expected that it would actually have this sort of a lasting yeah. impact on his no, life. Because no, no. I, mean, I mean, I would say one of the most entertaining nights I've ever had on Twitter, uh, following like all that unfold. Um, the shame he had to be at the centre of it, but uh, yeah. really, really, really entertaining. Uh, so, n- so nice to revisit that one. So Nazri is an interesting one. I think you'd have offers to go. I think a player would actually quite fancy playing in, in America, but um, he won't make the money that he wants over there. So. That's probably why he feels like he's got one last throw of dice in England. So, yeah, he's um, almost seems like a player fit for West Ham in a sense. But uh, <laughs> he's for me, it's, it's an interesting one. I think fans on social media are, are not quite happy about it, and the reason for it is this: if he's going to get eighty grand a week, as reported. Why is Declan Rice not being offered more money? You knew you were going to mention Why? Declan Rice. Yeah. I mean, Tottenham are sniffing around him. There's other clubs, Chelsea, Chelsea who, yeah. who, who, let, who let Declan Rice go when he was a teenager. Declan Rice is a player who's, you know, Gareth Southgate's been speaking openly about him with regards to an England call-up. You know, and he's not even getting the wage he deserves at West Ham, whereas Samir Nasri, who many might argue is a bit of a mercenary in the game, could come in and, and get 80 grand a week. It's It's... it's it's something that the club need to look at. Yeah, it's something I do notice with West Ham quite regularly is that underneath every single tweet, it can be just be a tweet about the say the West Ham Foundation or anything. Yeah, it yeah. Be, it can be any just innocuous tweet, and all the replies are sign Rice, get Rice yeah. tied yeah, down and stuff. It's the only, it's the real sort of talking point amongst the fans at the moment. They love Declan Rice. He's nineteen. He's the future of the club if they can keep hold of him. But otherwise, he's he's honestly he's a terrific talent, and he'll just flourish somewhere else. You yeah. know, and that's the real the real danger. Yeah, uh, Connor. From your perspective, going back to Nazri, um, would you say this would be a, a good signing for West Ham, or do you have doubts? I mean, it seems to be a roll of the dice, as it. As Matty said, they haven't got uh, money to spend, so they've got to look at other avenues. Obviously, he's going to be available on a free transfer. Um, it's, it's one of those. I mean, West Ham fans don't really seem to be that invested in it, do they? I mean, obviously, a few years ago, this would have been an exciting signing; they wouldn't have believed it. But I mean, it, it might say a lot that doesn't seem to be a lot of interest from elsewhere in him as far as I'm yeah, aware yeah. Um, but you know it's, it's just the wages isn't it really I mean if it's going to unsettle the squad like we said Declan Rice still not signed a new deal it might not really be worth it to be honest yeah, that's yeah. A, it, was, it was talk that Everton might have been interested but he's aged in fit the profile of the players that, that Everton is trying to bring in under Marco Silva I think yeah. they're looking for a younger sort of uh, yeah. profile yeah the, the energy of the footballers uh, yeah. that, Marco, that Marco Silva mm. kind of plays and, and uses um, 
we're going to move on now to international football. Um, it's international break again. I feel like there's been one every you know every couple of weeks. Every now, couple of weeks. Um, Matty, did did you get excited for international breaks at all, or are you, are you, are you bored of them now? Yeah, I, I, as a sports editor, I hate them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't mind them. I think. Um, you do you know what I do like about the international breaks you always get those sort of random comments from players who are pretty much touting themselves uh, for for a move elsewhere yeah. and when they come back they're like oh I never said that right. you know it's lost in translation or whatever um, so that's always entertaining it's normally Eden Hazard Eden like Hazard Messi, Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. every so single Belgian player yeah. so I find that aspect quite entertaining but in terms of these friendlies for England I think obviously you've got Wayne Rooney it's a big talking point for, for the USA game on Thursday night and uh, actually are quite genuinely looking forward to Sunday's game against Croatia people forget the last England game was one of the most exciting yeah. games of the season let yeah. alone the international season so um, I, I do I really like this UEFA Nation League I'm still waiting for you to explain it properly to me um, <laughs> well, after your several attempts on this podcast. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably it's, been, it's I'm, been good. I'm probably not going to try and explain it now simply because I'll probably be too worded well. But I do understand it. I've got to say, I really, I uh, completely agree. It's been great. It's been so much better than like um, yeah. friendlies. Yeah, and I think so. countries have actually taken it seriously. Well, you yeah, think it, about it, the strength it, of the teams. It's it's been. It's if been really if good. England lose on Sunday, they get relegated. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. This this is where this is where the permutations all come in, and I probably might not have read it. Are England not safe, or is it by is it by virtue of goal difference, or is it head to head, or I I I I find that a mirror football website exactly very shortly after this podcast. We'll very very quickly rustle up an article and just. I mean, look. The the fact is that if Croatia win, then. Yeah, I guess they'd be above us in the mm. group, wouldn't they? So it yeah. would come down to goal difference and and, and you've got the head-to-head permutations as well. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is act like a politician here and get myself through yeah. and squirm through <laughs> like Gary Neville did with yeah. Sunez. Yeah. 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 Um, but look, the fact is England, if they win, they're, they're through and their place at Euro 2020 is assured, etc., etc. So Sunday is an important game. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's just because... Uh, Croatia have been a bit of an anomaly um, since their um, since the World Cup heroics. Yeah, they got thrashed by Spain, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, I think they had that weird sort of behind closed doors game where about 10 England fans managed to break through at the back and sing songs anyway. Um, But that was just weird. There was no kind of intensity to that that, that game at all. I think it would be different at Wembley. You know, that magnificent pitch at Wembley as well. Um, Uh, How magnificent is it at the moment? (laughs) I mean, has has it recovered? I mean, I I think it's certainly improved a bit from the City game that was on the Monday Night Football. Obviously, got a lot of flack for that game. The NFL game. Yes, the NFL game, yeah. Yeah. Um, The City weren't happy at all. But, well, neither was PSV boss. Van Bommel I think he said it was SHIT after uh, Van Bommel I think League. he was saying wasn't he yeah but uh, yeah. no I mean you can only blame Tottenham Hotspur for that can't you Connor but absolutely <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, just quickly on Tottenham uh, new stadium looks Whoa. looks phenomenal look I, said, I saw obviously Lord Sugar's video thing that he did yeah. and um, he's um, yeah, it, it looks a phenomenal stadium. I'm Sorry to bring this back to West Ham somehow, right? Yeah, you no, always find a way. You, you, yeah, I do. It's quite, it was quite funny actually. It was the last game um, West Ham beat Burnley at home, four-two, uh, and where I sit, and I say that in inverted commas, uh, everybody stands up, yeah. and stewards were coming around in the second half saying, "Please, can you just sit down for five minutes?" 
um, we just we we need to prove to the stadium operators that it can be done. And fans were, like, oh, no, no, I'm standing up, mate. You know, and uh, somebody said, well, why? And he said, well, we want to get 66,000 so we can beat Tottenham. That's the message apparently from oh, really? the upper echelons of the club. So that was quite interesting. But yeah. um, so, and I think even haven't Arsenal ex- increased their capacity slightly, slightly yeah. to try and be on a par with yeah. Spurs as well. But I've got to say, this Tottenham Stadium looks phenomenal. When you go past it, even on the train, there's still a lot of work to be done on the outside. But that is going to be unquestionably the best stadium in the country when yeah. it's ready it yeah. looks it looks absolutely sensational and the good thing about Tottenham Stadium unlike some of these other new stadiums is it's close to the pitch yeah where it's, you know so you'll retain the atmosphere and it, I mean looking at the pitch already it looks it looks like a, a field of dreams for, yeah, for Tottenham it's, Spurs, it's better so. than Wembley's anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing reports of all the, the different, different hospitality there because there's a few like weird things. Like, isn't there a cheese room? There is, yeah. Or something like. I mean, you, it's just, you'll know because you'll be there every week. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> no, will. no. I'm, 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 I'm just intrigued by the. I mean, simply by the cheese room. I, I'm not even really, you know, a massive cheese eater. I just think it's such a bizarre thing to have in yeah, a stadium. But, but it's a wrong. completely different approach to to football that they're kind of going with the stadium we've got to, got to admire Spurs for that yeah I mean there's been a lot of talk about the cheese room but You've I think got to admire for, for the cheese room yeah <laughs> I think for normal uh, match day going match going fans I don't really think that's uh, no, going to come into it at all I think yeah. the trouble is it's like the Americanisation of, of mm. the game isn't it and you look at like um, oh god it's just looking apart, it's yeah. breaking this still one, falling apart um, <laughs> <laughs> but the Emirates that was the kind of the first step into it wasn't it where like you know they, they really went for that club level um and subsequently, you've got like the Tunnel Club at Man City mm. and clubs are just looking for any way they can. Now it's going to be similar at Tottenham as well. We've got the glass tunnel yeah. Uh, yeah. next to the lounges. Yeah. Um, I noticed, what, is it, are there two tiers of like executive boxes around the, around the middle or, or, or am I seeing things? I think there I, is I like think, a, I think, I think it's definitely like a club level, if you like. So. Yeah. 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 It, it probably would be separated into two tiers because you'd probably, the tier below it would probably be the cheaper mm. hospitality where you've probably got bars inside and the one above it will probably be the boxes. Similar that, to Wembley, you know, I think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, it'd be interesting to see how, how, how that goes anyway. Uh, the, the, the one, the, the big cop behind the net as well. I've got Looks to say. fantastic, I'm really, yeah. I think uh, they generate great noise, great atmosphere. And Tottenham always did at Wild Lane, to be fair to them. It was always a good atmosphere, even for rubbish games. So, mm. I, I mean, I'm... As a West Ham fan, you're like, God, you're very envious that not only have they got... Tottenham, for me, they're, they're the benchmark at the minute in English football in terms of what they're trying to achieve. The stadium's fantastic. It will be, anyway. And the training facilities they've got are, are world-class. The youngsters they're pushing through is, is great to see. So, all right, they haven't quite spent money yet, but it's a long game. And I think within time, Tottenham will be up there, definitely. Yeah, the, the only club for me who can compare is, is well Man City obviously we all know that but mm. uh, yeah. Tottenham are having a real good go at it yeah from your perspective Connor uh, if Tottenham when they're in the stadium how long do they have to win the league because obviously the stadium was almost like the last piece of the puzzle to making Tottenham a big big mm. Premier League club how long do they have to win the league uh, oh, it depends with this generation of players you've still got a few few years I mean the bulk I mean like the centre of, of of this team, you know, look at Deli Ali, Harry Kane, now Harry Winks coming through, uh, Davinson Sanchez, they're all, they're all young players, so it's... One fourth. One fourth, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think there's any rush. I mean, Pochettino said that 
we're years ahead of schedule. I mean, obviously we didn't go on to win the league, but the last couple of seasons we've been there or thereabouts up until the last last month or so. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, anyone winning the Premier League depends how long uh, Pep Guardiola lasts, doesn't it? Or, well, until he gets bored, basically. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, he's, he's not stayed anywhere longer than three or four seasons before, has he? But by the same token, do you think that, obviously, Real Madrid have given the job to um, Santiago Solari to the end of the season? Mm. And Man United look like they'll keep Jose to the end of the season. Pochettino's been linked heavily with both those jobs, hasn't he? Yes, do you yeah. think he'll? Do you think there'll be frustrations if they don't back him in the transfer market again, or do you think he's he's committed to Spurs? I think he certainly is committed to Spurs. Um, I do think he was expecting a bit more in the summer because obviously he signed his new contract. Um, and I mean, he said uh, infamously after the last final game of last season uh, when we beat Leicester. Um, he said, now's the time for the club to be brave if we want to really be competing with the likes of City and, well, now Liverpool have obviously spent a lot in the summer. You know, now's the time to, to to go out and do it, but uh, it didn't happen in the summer. Um, I think it's unlikely to happen in January. There may be one or two one or two incomings, but I think there is a lot of expectation on, on next summer now. Yeah, I, I, I also think that Daniel Levy probably got a bit of unfair criticism over the whole not spending situation because you can eat Tottenham have had their fingers burnt in the past when they had the Gareth Bale money for instance you know you look at the lineup of players they bought and alright Lamella is probably the only one who's really stood yeah, the test yeah. of time and Ericsson of course yeah. but the others really disappointed you know yeah. like they didn't didn't justify the money and you could argue at that time Tottenham didn't buy players they panic buyed yeah. you know and they, they just felt that oh we've got to spend this money to keep the fans happy because we've mm. lost our best player and I think sometimes you can have an idea of you know managers always submit a, a list of players they want to go after and if you can't achieve those players why settle for the second best yeah. you know that why spend for 30 40 million pound on a player who's yeah. not going to be what you want because you're going to have to, you're going to inherit his wages you're going to have to try and offload him sooner or later anyway and you've got problems so Tottenham not actually spending anything was could have been a, a blessing for, for Pochettino. Pochettino I mean, yeah, he's, he's still much. got great young players who are coming through. You look at the squad, I mean, that's a frightening squad. When when I looked at that game, they played it again, talking about West Ham, sorry, <laughs> but when they played the Carabao Cup, that was effectively Tottenham's second string, albeit you got Deli Alley and some plan, but oh, magnificent. Really good team. Even the keeper has been uh, called up to Argentina. Casanigi, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so is the young Van Foyth as well. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, there's players like Van Foyth, isn't it, and, and Harry Winks. And in the last couple of seasons, if we did go out and spend all that money, you know, you, you probably wouldn't have seen them. They wouldn't have seen the light of day. They'd still be in the under 23s. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, listen, uh, exciting times uh, for Tottenham going forward. Uh, intriguing to see what's going to happen with them. Um, so our chat about international football very much turned into it. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's that's quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> we did, no, we, we talked about Argentina. We yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about cheese rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they playing this week? Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, the, the international fixtures, I say, I will just run through them just before we finish this podcast. Uh, Thursday night, um, England and USA, obviously, uh, the Wayne Rooney game. Uh, I'm sure everybody is completely bored of the, the, the Rooney discussion. Now, we'll we'll see after the game, you know, kind of what sort of impact it has and what, you know, what it feels like, whether it's just... Because I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, imagining it will feel a little bit corny, to, 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 to be honest. I think that's, that's kind of the impression I'm going to get from it. Um, Croatia and Spain face off in the UEFA Nations League as well on Thursday and it's also Republic of Ireland against Northern Ireland uh, in, in a friendly um, I, I don't think there's any animosity really or bad blood in that one I don't think it's uh, no, I don't think it's the most feisty of derbies can't tell if you're being sarcastic 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not what it used to be, certainly not. No, 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 it's not. Um, it ain't what it used to be. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, um, I say, and then there's some great fixes as well, kind of through the week. You've got Brazil, Uruguay, Holland, That's France. at the Emirates. Hmm. Uh, is it really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Brazil, oh. Uruguay at the Emirates. Oh, so it makes, makes sense why it's like an 8 pm kickoff or something like that. Yeah, what day is it again? Friday. Friday, Friday night. night, yeah, brilliant. Oh, yeah, good. Um, Italy, Portugal, obviously England, Croatia on Sunday. Uh, Spain play Bosnia. Switzerland versus Belgium, Germany versus Holland, uh, Brazil versus Cameroon, France versus Uruguay, Portugal, Poland, Italy, USA, and uh, I've got Albania, Wales on that list. So I mean, that's not the most enough. exciting, but it's, a, it's a, <laughs> the right. There is plenty of football to watch anyway. The next, um, uh, the, the next few days, uh, we uh, will be back next week. Yeah. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get Rooney out of the way. We'll get the Croatia game out of the way. Um, we'll have a we'll have a discussion about how we we. Dropping things as well. <laughs> um, we'll have a discussion about how uh, the, the the England team are looking. Uh, Hopefully, not been relegated. Yeah, and ho- oh, hopefully God, we won't yeah. be talking about relegation. Hmm. Um, it's just such a weird dynamic of international football. Uh, but we'll get our head around it. Uh, but guys, thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Anytime. Uh, um, thank thanks you. for coming on. And as I say, we'll be back next week. Uh, if you don't subscribe to this podcast already, uh, you can get us on iTunes, you can get us on Acast, you can get us on Spotify, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, so yeah, uh, until next week, uh, enjoy the international break, and we'll see you then. <laughs>